If you're between the ages of 18 to 28 or know someone that's 18 to 28, we want to give them an opportunity to go to Israel for free. That's right, free. It's called our Go Israel Contest. Simply write a one-page essay on why you love Israel and the Jewish people, and you could be on our next Origins Young Adult Ministry Trip to Israel. Visit foiradio.org for more information. Welcome to the Friends of Israel Today, where we teach biblical truth for changing times. I'm Steve Conover, and we'll join our host and teacher, Chris Katolka, in a moment. Our ministry produces a bi-monthly magazine, and today we'll be looking in-depth at our current issue of Israel My Glory. This deals with unearthing Israel's past, a look at how archaeology today is confirming the Bible. Our guest is professor and archaeologist Dr. Randall Price. Dr. Price teaches at Liberty University and is founder and president of World of the Bible Ministries. We'll speak to him about the articles he contributed to the current issue of Israel My Glory. Before that, Chris shares his thoughts on how archaeology is a tool we can use to help illustrate the truth of God's Word in a skeptical world. We'll be spending the whole episode looking at the latest Israel My Glory magazine, so if you're not yet a subscriber, let me invite you to take the time to sign up for a free one-year subscription today. Visit foiradio.org to take advantage of this offer. Now, let's join Chris. Hello, everyone. Thanks for joining us today on the program. I'm your host, Chris Katolka. Now, every two months, we like to take time to feature our Friends of Israel magazine, Israel My Glory. And if you don't get Israel My Glory, don't worry. We're going to have an offer for you at the end of this segment on how you can receive a one-year free subscription. But, but we like to engage our audience with every issue of Israel My Glory that comes out. And our most recent issue has to do with something that excites me a ton. This recent issue of Israel My Glory is all about unearthing Israel's past, how archaeology today is confirming the Bible. And, and it's really important to highlight the word today because much of the, uh, of, of the archaeology that, that we know and, and are coming to understand are not archaeological finds from the past. They're actually archaeological finds that are happening within the past two decades. It's really amazing what's happening over there. And archaeology is such an important tool to know and understand as a Christian because we live in a very skeptical world when it comes to the Bible. The Bible is under attack and this barrage is coming from every angle. It's being ripped apart. The Bible is being scrutinized and degraded from being God's authoritative word to just another ancient text from the past. In fact, at the turn of the 20th century, more and more biblical scholars— we're adopting views that the Old Testament stories are nothing more than myths and fairy tales that were made up by the Israelites only a few hundred years before Jesus appeared. And, and they made up these, these stories in order to validate their existence as a people living in the land of Judea. Essentially, scholars were saying Israelites made up these stories to give their nation a historical identity. Now, fast forward 80 to 100 years to today, the Bible is still being criticized, but critics have to be a little more careful about speaking negatively towards the Bible because now those who believe the Bible communicates authentic and historical events like myself uh, have an arsenal of archaeological data 
and finds to back up these biblical stories. And I, and I want to give you two examples because I think they they really communicate the benefit of archaeology and how it helps prove the Bible is real. Now, listen to this. Before 1993, now this is just 20, what is this, 23 years ago, many liberal biblical scholars were teaching that King David, King David from the Old Testament was merely an imaginary character. And those scholars argued uh, that the author of First and Second Samuel did nothing more than put together these fictitious stories of a hero-like king who could take down giants like Goliath and unify these unruly tribes of Israel and dream big enough to build a permanent temple for the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And these doubting scholars argued that David must not have existed since his name cannot be found in any other ancient manuscript outside the Bible. According to them, if King David was so influential in making Israel a great nation and establishing Jerusalem as her capital, then his name would surely appear somewhere else in the, in, in the uh, history books. And you have to admit, this is a good argument for someone who lacks faith in God's word. You do wonder, why didn't David's name appear in some ancient newspaper somewhere if he was so influential? Yet, in God's divine providence, and archaeology is really God's divine providence, uh, these archaeologists were digging in the northern part of Israel around uh, an area called Tel Dan in the area of Dan in 1993 and 1994. And as they were searching this 3,000-year-old hill, they stumbled upon a rock slab with ancient Aramaic writing on it. And, and as they were translating this 2,900-year-old inscription, they came across a phrase that sent shockwaves throughout the entire scholarly world. The ancient inscription had the words, the house of David chiseled on the front of the slab. And these are words you can't erase. You know, for decades, liberal scholars taught, lectured, and journaled that David wasn't real because his name only existed in the Bible. This information was taught in seminaries and spoken from the pulpits of liberal churches. But now we have rock-solid evidence, no pun intended, that David of the scriptures did actually exist. You know, this is such an important archaeological find because without a real King David, the message of the gospel of Jesus the Messiah is absolutely incomplete. Ultimately, if David is fake, then Jesus is fake. You know, when Paul is describing the fullness of the gospel in Romans, one of the major elements of the good news is that Jesus is both God and man. And Paul says this in Romans 1.3, concerning his son, Jesus, who was, a who was descended from David according to the flesh. Jesus was a descendant of the real King David, as God promised. And this is connected to the truth that the word became flesh from John 1.14. And the picture of David is Jesus's humanity and royalty wrapped up in one. My other favorite archaeological find when it comes to disproving liberal biblical scholarship is are the Dead Sea Scrolls. Uh, before the Dead Sea Scrolls were found in 1947, we didn't have a Hebrew Old Testament from before the time of Christ. In fact, the earliest Hebrew Bible 
before 1947 came from the 10th century AD. That's 1,000 years after Christ was born. So scholars argued you can't trust the Old Testament because it was mangled by Christians throughout the ages. They argued significant passages like Isaiah 53, the suffering servant, was added by Christians because it's, it's too close to the actual picture of the death of Christ. Anything that seemed to be fulfilled by Jesus in the Old Testament must have been added by Christians, scholars added. Then they found the Dead Sea Scrolls, a pre-Christian Old Testament, an Old Testament that was written 150 years before Jesus even walked on the earth. And when the Dead Sea Scrolls were found, liberal scholars were so excited they were chomping at the bit to prove to the world that the Bible of Jesus' day looked nothing like the Bible of today. And as they started translating the ancient Hebrew uh, Bible, lo and behold, there was Isaiah 53 and all of the Old Testament prophecies that spoke of the coming of the Messiah Jesus. They were all there. The Old Testament of Jesus' day is the Old Testament we read today. Amazing. These amazing biblical and archaeological finds that are happening in and around Israel are happening so often and with such precision to what the Bible says that it proves regularly that the Jewish people have had a continual presence in the land of Israel, especially in the city of Jerusalem, for millennia, thousands of years. And these biblical archaeological finds frustrate not only the Palestinians, but also the Arab world as a whole. Many Palestinians want to spend time proving that they are the original inhabitants of Israel and Jerusalem. But these archaeological finds that keep popping up show otherwise. So what does the Muslim world do? They claim the Jewish people planted these artifacts. And these aren't faint voices crying in the wilderness These claims are coming from the UN. A recent UNESCO resolution accused Israel of planting Jewish tombs in Muslim cemeteries and converting Islamic and Byzantine areas into so-called Jewish ritual baths. These countries who drafted the resolution are countries like Algeria, Egypt, Lebanon, Morocco, Oman, Qatar, and Sudan. The Arab world can't argue against the hard proof of a Jewish presence in the land So they'll just claim that the Jewish people planted these archaeological finds there. Or they simply attempt to hide and destroy them, as was the case with the Temple Mount salvage operation. My friends, I want to encourage you to get our recent issue of Israel My Glory, which deals with many of these archaeological finds in Israel. It's really easy to do. All you have to do is go to foiradio.org. That's foiradio.org. And right there on our homepage, you can sign up for your one-year trial subscription. Or you can call 888-343-6940. That's 888-343-6940. Now, on the other side of the break, we'll be talking with professor and archaeologist Dr. Randall Price about one of his articles in this recent Israel My Glory issue on locating the true site of the Jewish temple and why some people got it wrong. Stick with us. God calls us to have faith, and faith is believing without seeing. But sometimes God provides a little sight to our faith, and he does this in the form of archaeology. 
Professor and archaeologist Dr. Randall Price has documented some of these amazing archaeological finds in The Stones Cry Out, what archaeology reveals about the truth of the Bible. Dr. Price will walk you through the entire Bible, showing you archaeological finds that date from the patriarchs like Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob right to Jesus in the New Testament. This is a book you'll want as a constant resource in helping prove the Bible is true in a world of skepticism. Get your copy at foiradio.org or call 888-343-6940. That's 888-343-6940. Welcome back, folks. We are joined on the phone with Dr. Randall Price, who teaches biblical archaeology at uh, Liberty University. Uh, He's worked uh, on the Qumran and Dead Sea Scrolls for several years, and he is also the founder and president of World of the Bible Ministries. We'll talk about that a little later. But uh, Dr. Price, great to have you on the program, sir. Thank you, Chris. Great to be with you. You wrote a great article, a detailed article, as I was saying to a friend recently, um, that's titled Mount Moriah or the City of David, locating the true site of the Jewish temple and why some people got it wrong. And, you know, when I said this to a friend that you wrote a detailed article, it, it kind of, he looked at me and said, well, is it really that important to know the precise location of where the temple once stood. Could you unpack a little bit of why this is so important, why we need to know the specific location of the of the temple? Well, of course, we don't know the exact location, but we do think we know the 35-acre platform on which the temple stood. And identifying that is important because, in the first place, we have a political situation today where there is an Islamic presence on the Temple Mount that denies the temple ever existed. And if we do not know, and say we do not know, uh, anything from history, which is Jewish history, archaeology, which is the archaeology of Israel, then we play into that denial. They say, well, see, even the Christians don't know, and they don't trust their own sources, and they don't believe Jewish history. So we have to be good students and say, look, we have a history that goes back to the beginning, to the to, to people like Flavius Josephus, who wrote in the first century, who left this information. We have uh, the, the good archaeologists that have been working since 1967 to uncover uh, in the shadow of the Temple Mount the things that relate to the Temple. And we cannot deny these things. They have to be studied, and therefore we have an answer for those who want to have a revisionist history and turn uh, the clock backwards as though Israel never existed. Let's unpack the title here. It's Mount Moriah or the City of David. You're, you're arguing in your article that, that these are two locations that people say that the temple, uh, whether it was the first temple that was built by Solomon or the second temple period, the second temple that was uh, that was uh, reconstructed and then also rebuilt by, by Herod the Great, that they're saying that these were sitting in two different locations. Can you help our audience understand the difference between Mount Moriah or the city of David? Well, first, all of the temples that ever existed, including where the tabernacle was pitched in Jerusalem, was on Mount Moriah. And, and the Bible says it could not be another place. God chose that place. He brought his presence uh, down to earth at the time of the dedication of the first temple. And then uh, when it left, made a prophecy that it would return to exactly the same place in exactly the same way. 
And so there's always been this sense of continuity within Judaism that the temple was at the same place. Now the question is, where is that place? Well, today, and it's only been in very modern history, I would say in the last uh, 25 years, and most of this has only been in the last year, that we've had uh, an alternative Christian explanation, not from archaeologists, not from uh, what we would consider seasoned historians, uh, but from people who just have more of a maverick view and say that the temple never existed on the Temple Mount, it was in the city of David. And so they say what was on the Temple Mount was the Antonia Fortress of Herod the Great. And what was in the city of David uh, was where the temple, first temple stood and second temple stood. And uh, this has been, and because, let me just say, the common person does not have access to the sources or the information. Even if they've been to Israel and looked at things, they don't know the issues involved. And the fact is, we don't need to change the view. The testimony of history, the practical aspects of where a temple can stand, and then all of the archaeological work done in the last, at least the last 50 years, uh, tell us exactly where the temple stood, and, and there's no really contestation to that. But we do have these views that have to be answered and challenged. Now, when, when you're talking about the differences between Mount Moriah and or the city of David, we're talking about locations that are uh, that are not that far apart from one another. Right. Well, in fact, the whole thing is Mount Moriah, Chris. You have city of David was built uh, in a part of Mount Moriah. The highest part of Mount Moriah is where uh, on one of those peaks is where the temple would have been constructed. So as we walk through history, we see David built first where the Canaanites had built before him, or the Jebusites, right at, above the, the Gihon Spring. That was a water source. So cities always start around a water source, and they build their walls around that to protect that water source. And then as the city grew and as there was a desire to build a temple, they went up to a higher ground. Even the text of the Bible tells us he went up out of the city of David you know, to Mount Moriah. So that's considered higher ground. And it tells us in Second Chronicles 3.1, that's where Solomon began to build the temple on the uh, where David had built an altar on the threshing floor of Ornan the Jebusite. So this is a noble event, and that took place outside the city and on higher ground, because when David was at that site, he saw an angel of God who was going to destroy Jerusalem and uh, asked God to intercede, and God stopped the angel from the destruction he would have had. And David went up to this threshing floor, and a threshing floor where grain and things are processed is always on a higher ground where it catches the, the breeze. And so that's where he was in that position. It says on that place is where the temple was built, not lower down in the city of David. Reading through this article, this was the first time that I had ever heard that somebody thought that the uh, Temple Mount was constructed further south. Uh, Is this a recently new idea that you were saying, or is this something that's been around for a while, this theory? Well, in in one sense, it, it started around the late 1990s, by a scholar uh, named Ernest Martin. Uh, he, he was actually trained with, these, with, with a non-evangelical group, let's put it that way. And he called his book, The Two Temples That Jerusalem Forgot, which in and of itself is problematic because Jerusalem never forgot. I mean, there's always been a Jewish 
presence in Jerusalem the last 2,000 years, letters written back and forth between the Jewish communities in Jerusalem and those in the diaspora, and that is outside the land. And they explain quite clearly the, the hope and ambition to return to this place and to rebuild someday. In fact, we even have an inscription from around the 4th century A.D., uh, when Jews tried to come back and rebuild the temple and left this inscription from Isaiah 66:14 on one of the uh, stones of the western wall. And it was a prophetic hope that they would return and rejoice at the restoration. Um, we know, again, from the archaeology, right there at that site, that there are uh, the clues uh, that relate to the temple and touch back on the history we have uh, from Flavius Josephus in the first century. You match these things up, they're exact. Uh, but then it's been in the last uh, year or so that Martin's theory was revived. It was actually countered by most most competent archaeologists don't even want to dignify it. They won't respond to it. And that's one reason I did, because the, the archaeologists in Israel, I've talked to them about this, and they don't want to even touch it. They say it's just nonsense. So I thought it was important uh, to get this information out because now it's been uh, a new book, a uh, book by Robert Cornuk uh, called The Temple, simply, again, uh, resurrects Martin's view that the city of David was the place of the temple. And it's more, more important than just an academic issue because when he plays into the hand of the temple deniers, Prophecy tells us where the temple will be rebuilt. You have to change your view prophetically to get it in the city of David. Uh, it will not fit by any stretch of the imagination. I demonstrated that in the article uh, from Lane, the, the earlier, the first temple uh, platform on top of the city of David, based on the topographical maps, survey maps we have from the past, and show that it wouldn't fit. It would cover up all the... the the houses that existed then, the tombs that were there, even cut off the Kidron Valley so that you'd have a, a water backed up and create a dam in that area. And none of that happened historically. And then when you talk about Herod enlarging the temple, uh, it would have taken up even more room, so there's no practical consideration. But these books are written in such a way, again, not by scholars or academics, but by by layman, in this case, someone who says he was a, a police detective and putting little clues together, and then it's put out for the popular audience. And uh, you can't ignore it because it's on television, it's in uh, films now, it's in various other books. People have come up and they love to champion a maverick view because it, it goes against, you know, the, the more popular views and gives them some sense of status. Dr. Price, thank you so much. We've been speaking with Dr. Randall Price. Dr. Price has done an amazing job giving us this great information in a recent article of Israel, My Glory. Be sure to go to foiradio.org, and there you can get your one-year free subscription to Israel, My Glory, or you can call 888-343-6940. I also want to encourage you to visit uh, Dr. Price's website. Dr. Price, could you please share with our audience how they can get in contact with you? Yes, it's worldofthebible.com. Not word, world, worldofthebible.com. You'll find a lot of free resources and information there about what we do. Worldofthebible.com. We all want to just say thank you to Dr. Price for the, uh, for the diligence and hard work that he puts into making these difficult things easy to understand for us. Thank you very much, Dr. Price. 
My pleasure. I'd like to thank Dr. Randall Price for being on our program today. And as we close, I'll remind you once more, if you've never subscribed to our bi-monthly magazine, I invite you to sign up for a free one-year trial subscription to Israel My Glory. You can call our listener line at 888-343-6940. Again, that's 888-343-6940. You could write to us at FOI Radio, P.O. Box 914, Belmar, New Jersey, 08099. Or visit us online at foiradio.org. That's foiradio.org. Our host and teacher is Chris Katolka. Our associate producer and engineer is Tom Gallione. Our theme music was composed and performed by Jeremy Strong. And I'd also like to thank Bob Beebe for additional engineering for today's episode. I'm Steve Conover, executive producer. If you would prayerfully consider supporting the ministries of the Friends of Israel Gospel Ministry, you can find a donate link on our website to learn more about the ways you can support us. Again, that's foiradio.org. The Friends of Israel Today is a production of the Friends of Israel Gospel Ministry. We are a worldwide Christian ministry communicating biblical truth about Israel and the Messiah while fostering solidarity with the Jewish people.